today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. Translated, he did all of this for us. Man of sorrows, not sorry for himself. No, he took our sorrows. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Isaiah. It was for our sins that Jesus went to the cross. He was killed so that everybody may have eternal life through him. Today, Pastor J.D. wants you to know that Jesus died for you. Whether you've been saved before or not, God has brought you this message for a reason. So tune in to what he's trying to tell you. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Isaiah chapter 53 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. I happened upon this commentary from Alan Redpath, who's, of course, now with the Lord. And I think it would be so apropos. I want to share it with you because it speaks to this dynamic concerning how Jesus looked outwardly. He writes this. These days it appears that we must dress up the gospel to make it attractive. We have to use the methods of technique, which must be smart, well-presented, streamlined. There must be something about the presentation of the gospel that will appeal to people, to what is called the modern mind. I wonder if we stop to think that in our efforts to make the gospel message attractive, we are drawing a curtain across the face of Jesus in his humiliation. The only one who can make him attractive is the Holy Spirit. You see why I wanted to share that? Again, I have to confess, I'm, I'm just as guilty as this, as the next guy. There's something innate within all of us, I think, that wants to kind of sanitize and clean up and make more attractive the Savior. So he's more appealing. You know, let's say, let's, uh, you know, kind of take the edge off of this and let's not get so, you don't have to talk about that and, I wonder, what Jesus are we preaching? If there's an invitation, to what Jesus are we inviting the people to? Is this a a more attractive Jesus? Have we sought in our own efforts to 
kind of make it a little bit more palatable, more plausible, more amicable. Because if I present Jesus in this rawness and bloodiness, I don't think that's very attractive. And they won't be attracted to him. The Holy Spirit's the one who attracts us to the Savior. And oh, by the way, let's be very careful when it comes to cleaning up all the blood. You know when the Israelites would have to sacrifice an animal there in the tabernacle and subsequently the temple, it was a bloody mess, and rightfully so because that blood was shed. The blood of that innocent sacrifice was shed in their stead. And it was meant to be raw. And it was meant to be real. And shame on any who would take the blood of Jesus Christ, the blood of the new covenant, and clean it up, make it more attractive more seeker-friendly, more user-friendly. I want to ask you the question, and this again, bear with me please. The Jesus that I'm getting reacquainted with is a Jesus that when we behold Him, we're told in Revelation, we're going to wince. And conversely, get this, When we see Satan, we're going to be astonished. It's going to be jaw-dropping. It's going to be breathtaking. You know why? Because he was beautiful. In fact, we're told that when we see him, there's going to be this response like, that's him? He's the one that deceived the nations? You're kidding me. No way. That's him? Because see, here's the picture we have of the devil, right? Red, pitchfork, and tights. He does not look like that. He's going to be beautiful to behold. We're told that when God created him, he created him to be so beautiful and splendid and magnificent. And the polar opposite is true about the Savior. He's not beautiful, not attractive, nothing about him outwardly that would attract us to him. Gives me pause. Gives me pause. And it gets worse. Verse 3, he is despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely, verse 4, he has borne our griefs 
and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. Translated, he did all of this for us. Man of sorrows, not sorry for himself. No, he took our sorrows. He took our grief. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement for our peace was upon him. He took that upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. How do I say this without... When I think about... Jesus doing that for me, that does something to me. Do you know what I mean when I say that? So he took all of my sins upon himself. And then verse 6, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And The Lord has laid on him, speaking of Jesus, the iniquity of us all. Uh, Hang on before we move on to verse 7. One Bible commentator suggested that there's probably been something like, and try to wrap your mind around this mind-numbing number, something like 700 billion with a B people, conservatively, a conservative estimate. 700 billion people from Adam to the present that inhabited the earth. The reason I point that out and bring that up is because it was laid on him the iniquity of all 700, whatever that number is, billion with a B people. He who knew no sin took the sin of every single man, woman, and child that was ever born. He took it on himself. It was laid on him, the iniquity of us all. Let that sink in. He was oppressed, verse 7, and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. And we have that recorded in the Gospels, right? Now, this is an interesting detail, and I want to just share a couple thoughts on it, because 
We do err greatly when we make meekness synonymous with weakness and silence synonymous with helplessness. We know this to be true, that this was absolutely not the case. In fact, he even tells Peter, I don't even have to snap my fingers. I don't even have, you know how we raise our eyebrows, you know? Don't get me started on that. He wouldn't even have to do that. He had the heavenly host at his call. All he would have to do is call upon the heavenly host at any moment, but he didn't. He remained silent in his meekness and said nothing in his own defense. And as a lamb, he went to the slaughter for us, for us. You know, for me personally, my only consolation, and I need consolation, because this hits me hard. My only consolation is that for all eternity, I'm going to be able to worship Him and praise Him and thank Him for all eternity, for what He did for me. And this side of heaven, I have no way, it is impossible in the finite to comprehend His love in the infinite. Verse 8, He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who will declare His generation? For He was cut off from the land of the living, For the transgressions of my people he was stricken. And they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death. Oh, you remember a guy by the name of Joseph referred to in the Gospels? All four Gospels, by the way, Joseph of Arimathea, very wealthy man. After the crucifixion, he asked for the body to bury the body of Christ in his tomb, because he was wealthy and he had a tomb. Only the wealthy had tombs. That tomb belonged to this man by the name of Joseph of Arimathea, as he's affectionately referred to. And notice this prophecy, that with the rich at his death, because see, when they crucified someone, they just put him in a a mass grave. He says, no, no give me the body, and he put exactly as it was prophesied in that tomb, because he could afford that tomb, because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Verse 10, and don't get weird on this. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him, This is not in some sadistic sense. The Lord was pleased, the Father was pleased, not in the crucifixion, but in what the crucifixion would accomplish, as we're going to now read. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, 
He shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see, verse 11, the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. That's what pleased God. That's why it pleased God to afflict him, to bruise him. Therefore, verse 12, I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors. And he bore the sin of many. And I love this, I love this, I love this. As the chapter ends. And made intercession for the transgressors. You know what that means? Oh, oh. that's Hebrews 7.25. We just studied this chapter. Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Please stay with me. I want to close this way, and please, I don't want you to miss this. This for me was and is such a source of encouragement and strength, because not only did Jesus die for me, Jesus makes intercession for me. Do you know what that means? (laughs) Get this. Jesus intercedes and prays for me. Wait, hey, look, I know, you know, like when someone says, hey, I'm praying for you. That, that means a lot to me when I know someone is praying for me. And, and some of you know what I mean when I say this. You can sense when someone's praying for you sometimes, right? I mean, you know how it is when uh, during the day and something happens and there's just this sense, wow, somebody, you put on somebody's heart. I've even taken it as far as saying, Lord, put it on somebody's heart to pray for me right now. (laughs) But sometimes it's like God has put on someone's heart to pray for me right at that moment and I can sense that somebody's praying for me. That's huge. But get this, you know who else is praying for me? (laughs) I mean, and what was my problem now? What have I got to be worried about now? The Savior of the world is interceding on my behalf, seated at the right hand of the Father. (laughs) I'm good. I'm good. You know now why they don't read chapter 53 in Israel? A nation can't do that. No, only the Savior can do that. And by the way, one last thing, and we'll close with this. I didn't say one last thing yet, right? So this is good. We're good. We're almost done. Just hear me. 
Do you realize that the prophecy of the coming Savior, the good news of salvation, that a Savior is coming, a Redeemer is coming, a Deliverer is coming. Do you realize that if Jesus is not the Savior, nobody is? And oh, by the way, all the prophecies concerning the Savior, too late. That ship has sailed, as we say. Nobody can fulfill it now. It's too late. That window has been shut. Only Jesus can be the Savior. And this chapter here in Isaiah chapter 53 concerning Jesus as the Savior speaks to Him as the only one that could fulfill this prophecy concerning the coming Savior. Case closed. Or as we say in our day, mic drop. What are you going to say? I'll tell you this, again by way of a confession, is it's an intimidating chapter to teach for me. I'm just again being open with you. I prayed today. I just asked the Lord, Lord, you, you, I want to, I want to teach this chapter in a way that this chapter needs to be taught. And I did my best, and now the Holy Spirit has to do the rest. But I would suggest that we have just read and heard, and I have just got done teaching, perhaps amongst the most profound prophetic passages in all of the pages of Holy Writ, chapter 53, concerning the Savior. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you so much. I pray that we take away just the reality, as raw as it is, of what you did for us, home with us. Lord, I ask that the Holy Spirit would be given unfettered access to our hearts, concerning this that we have just seen here and read here tonight in your word. Lord, we're just in awe of you, that you would do this for us. Take our sin, all of our sin, completely upon yourself and pay for it, so that our record is clean, Lord, that's too high for our understanding. That you would endure that shame of the cross, the crucifixion, as horrific as it must have been. Despising it even, as we're told in Hebrews. Because you knew what it would accomplish. And we're a testimony of that almost 2,000 years later. 
Jesus, thank you. We love you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to another edition of In Spirit and Truth. Thanks for tuning in to study the Word of God. As you continue to learn from Isaiah with Pastor J.D., make sure to really think about what you're hearing and what God wants to speak to you today through Scripture. We encourage you to keep reading on your own. If you're not already part of a local church that you call home, we encourage you to find one and attend regularly to grow in relationship with God and others. And if you're in or near the Kaneohe area, come visit us. You'll find all the information you need, including service times and directions to Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. While you're there, you can also access more of Pastor J.D.'s teachings like you heard today, including his weekly prophecy updates. In addition to that, you may be interested in the ABCs of Salvation under the Resources tab. This is a simple guide to sharing the good news of salvation in Jesus. As we continue to learn from the book of Isaiah together, we'd be honored to pray for you during this study. Would you let us know what those prayer requests might be? Just fill out the contact form under the About tab at calvarychapelkaneohe.com or come find us on social media. There's a link to our Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook pages on our website. We encourage you to follow them so you can stay up to date with all that's happening at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe and In Spirit and Truth. That's all we have time for today, but thanks for listening to In Spirit and Truth. Keeping me right with the old wind.